Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about how a lawsuit against the city over tents blocking sidewalks has reached a settlement. We're also looking into the increase of TriMet's fares and the possibility of the Lloyd Center becoming the location for a Major League Baseball stadium. Yeah, that's right. Joining me today are KBOO's news director, Althea Billings, and our very own audio producer, Julia Fioni. It's Friday, May 26th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Althea, Julia, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thanks for having us. Hi, good morning. This is obviously the day that we talk about the headlines of the week. Uh, Usually we start it off where I ask, you know, an off-putting question, (laughs) just so people (laughs) Mm -hmm. who are listening know who's in the room, you know, what what they're getting themselves into. Um, I've been crowdsourcing these actual questions because I can't keep coming up with them, to be honest. And this, I'm going to give the credit where it's due. It's Chase Ross. He is the, the pasta maker, the chef over at Pasta Ficho de Oro. He was like, you know what you guys should, you know what you should ask your guests next week? And he's like, ask them where they would take Bigfoot on a first date. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that because I, oh my uh, this is an official, you know, invitation. If anyone has like a really random question you want me to ask at the top, just please send it to me. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Elfia, Julia, where would you take Bigfoot on a first date? Okay. I got one. Okay. Surprisingly, I have one for this. <laughs> I would take Bigfoot to a Timbers game. And Mm. for so many reasons of why that would be enjoyable, what a killer mascot, first of all, just to have a little stand-in mascot, Bigfoot and the the Timbers army. But there would just be enough space for Bigfoot, you know? Like, you have to think about how you're going to get Bigfoot in and out of doors if you take them to a bar. But at a Timbers game, it seems like the right environment to take them around, Mm -hmm. I would guess. Not that I've met Bigfoot personally, but... Mm -hmm. You don't think that this... You don't think this... this part animal would be spooked at the timbers game nice. i think they'd fit right in all the loud noises oh you think they fit right no in? no yeah. it's, it's the perfect environment you know and i just realized he said sasquatch and i'm hoping sasquatch and bigfoot are the same thing well we're both going on different dates so i you can do bigfoot and i'll do sasquatch okay. and okay. then we don't get into sort of a love triangle situation which would be really oh, no. awkward for this taping so where are you taking sasquatch althea well, okay, my my immediate thought was like, oh, we have so many beautiful parks around here. Let's let's go take a little walk. Let's go down to the beach, something like that. But then it's like, is that rude to Bigfoot? Because Bigfoot's like, I know what outside is like. This is just outside, but like near other stuff. <laughs> so is do, does it feel like pandering? You know, I think it's important to know your audience. Oh Good God. point. But I don't know. What's something that Bigfoot's really not doing? Maybe, maybe like Oaks Park. Maybe I take him roller skating or something. Mm. That seems, um, you know, out of the comfort zone. You're going you're gonna to put him on skates? Sure. Oh, okay. sure. <laughs> That's less rude. Yeah, yeah. Or like I'm not super confident on skates, so sort of just maybe balancing on, on the Sasquatch a little bit. You're, um, you're both kind of falling together, and that's real sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had a really boring answer, Elthea, and you just like eviscerated it. I was going to take them to like a park that had a very like nice, uh, big, you know, just a, a sweeping view. So because I was like the animal part in them would want to know where they're at, mm, you know, high ground, high ground. So I was like at higher ground, they might feel safe. Mm. But also we were outside. I'm assuming that they, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but I'm assuming they smell oh. and like that mm-hmm. if you put them in an enclosed space, it might make them feel self-conscious about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking Mount Tabor, but. I don't know. Althea, now I feel like I, I, I might be pandering here 
on my first date. No, 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 no. Look, your your relationship with Sasquatch is independent okay. of mine. All right. So whatever you as a couple decide to do, that's that's your business, you know? Okay. Walk, in, walk the dogs at Tabor. Why not? That would be so cute. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you guys, thank you so much uh, for playing. Thank you, Chase, for that, for that question. Usually uh, I have my guests go first, but I have a feeling that mine is going to be the, the most hard to break apart hmm. headline. So uh, my story is a follow-up on a big news item that happened last fall. Now, I don't know if you guys remember last September, there was a group of Portlanders uh, with disabilities and they filed a class action lawsuit against the city over street camping. And they were saying uh, the city was violating Americans with Disabilities Act by allowing homeless people to block sidewalks. Mm -hmm. So while Sophie Peel from Willamette Week reported this Wednesday uh, that it appears the city and the plaintiffs have reached a settlement. And next week, um, the Portland City Council will vote on whether to approve it. But as is usually the case when it comes to like the city hall making any moves, there's not much transparency. So the details aren't clear and they won't be clear. Uh, until it comes out next Wednesday. But one of the plaintiffs was quoted as saying, her name's Tia, Tiana Tozer, wrote in an email Tuesday morning that the settlement is, and I, I'm going to quote it here, not everything we wanted. It won't happen overnight, but we are confident that it will help people with disabilities get a faster response when sidewalks are blocked and eventually deter camping on the sidewalks. What do you guys think? Yeah, this one just reminds me of... Uh Specifically, the lawyer that's that's uh, pushing this case forward and how he's, ha he's had previous involvement in cases uh, surrounding houses just before. I remember you'd mentioned September last year, this, this case was starting up, but he was also trying to pursue a case to cl clear encampments um, near Laurelhurst Park as well. And he was going as far as writing letters to the city and hiring arborists to check out the trees in the area to make a claim that the encampments were um, harming the trees. Yeah. So I do have a lot of thoughts about him and, and wonder what his motives are and how that's impacted the case at all. Yeah, that's John DeLorenzo, um, who reporter Rebecca Ellis, when she was at OPB, she's now at LA Times, uh, but she was at OPB hilariously called him a perennial thorn in the side of city leaders and their lawyers, which <laughs> yes. I freaking love that uh, because he sued Portland multiple times over the years, often successfully in 2017, he won like $10 million against the city in a lawsuit alleging, alleging that the Portland Water Bureau had misused ratepayer dollars. Like that's so mm. deep that like, how do you find that out? You know, um, but the criticism has been like Julia said that uh, DeLorenzo often represents the region's like powerful interests, uh, powerful business interests, because he's he himself owns property downtown. Like so he hired the echelon uh to it was like the security guard. Do you remember it was like these security guards and he hired them to investigate the encampment that like gathered and they gathered like a 40 page yeah, dossier. Yeah. Oh God. do you remember that? The echelon just sort of mentioning it I, I feel like I just got a big flashback of kind of... It's like 2021, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Collecting information on an encampment, snooping around in people's belongings, claiming somebody was a prostitute mm -hmm. who was just visiting people that lived at that encampment, doing some like serious surveillance, basically, to take it to city council to try to jump the line, uh, so to speak, on getting a camp removed. And then Echelon has been, you know, employed all over downtown since then. 
I one thing I'm kind of surprised by is it seems like the city isn't giving up that much. And I was anticipating a more drawn out battle, I suppose, or or more settlement for folks, just based on how the city probably really doesn't want to go to court over this Americans violating the the ADA. So I was I was surprised by that. Uh, but I think the the moves that Wheeler has been making over the past six months, especially around the mass encampment plan, maybe had something to do with with this. The thing that I come back to about this settlement, or sorry, the lawsuit to begin with over and over is uh, that it was, I believe, six or so uh, Portlanders with disabilities that, that filed this class action suit. But it made no consideration or mention of the folks on the street, many of whom are disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, living outside makes having makes life harder in any number of ways um, and including folks with with illnesses with disabilities doesn't doesn't offer consideration for them at all and that's why you know advocacy groups like disability rights Oregon didn't sign on to that kind of a lawsuit yeah I remember that um that being the case where because it was John DeLorenzo everyone was just like this is some sort of false flag like he is masterminding something and he's gathering these you know people and he they were just like oh they're just pawns and and John DeLorenzo's you know scheme of things but at the same time you hear it and you're like well I mean it isn't ADA compliant like mm-hmm. in, in the letter of the law like no they the city is breaking the law but I also feel like John DeLorenzo gets stuff done I mean that that mm-hmm. that encampment that we were talking about that you were just you know that he was like he built this dossier two weeks after he shared that report that that camp was gone yeah I mean that's crazy you know and the fact that you were just like hey there's speculation that this settlement might be the reason Mayor Ted Wheeler appears to be actually making moves I don't know I mean I feel like this is a, a case for me of like hate the player not the game I mean sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's usually like hate the game, not the player. But sometimes you're just like, it's so hard not to just be like, John, what are you doing? Yeah. Not to go against Ice T's teachings, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to emphasize, Claudia, you mentioned this a little bit, but with the Laurel Hearst situation specifically, these neighbors like reached out to him because they knew they had someone that would be on their side because he has a reputation that these things actually go through. So it's it's really fine line between like, I'll scratch your back, you'll scratch mine. And it's really hard to see what comes first um, and who's truly benefiting. And like you mentioned that I'm wondering how these things are going to fall into line and how, like whether or not the resources will be in place for these laws to be moved forward in a way that isn't going to be detrimental to these um, vulnerable populations. It's it's a real point of concern. People should get that popcorn ready because May 31st is when we're finally going to get to see some of the cards that City Hall has been hiding regarding their plans, mm-hmm. their, you know, their plan response to our housing crisis. Because I feel like, you know, you're right, Althea, like all this stuff has been coming out of nowhere, but like out of squeaky, meek Mayor Ted Wheeler <laughs> who went to the protests and, and got, you know, aghast and like this guy is finally doing something after years of everyone being unhappy. I mean, it's I think another interesting aspect is it's not the first time that the ADA has been used in this way. It's a model that has existed this type of lawsuit in cities in Los Angeles, particularly to try to spur a city into action around, you know, houseless camping. I think that uh, the city has not engaged in sort of a unified plan. I think it would be hard to argue that they've had 
a systematic plan to go through of like, how are we going to solve this problem rather than how are we going to push it around when wealthy people call us and are mad. Mm -hmm. um, and so if, if this is coming together into something unified, I'll be glad to see it. But I guess, uh, yeah, that's right. Get the popcorn out. We'll, we'll see how it shakes out. All right. Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, more headlines of the week. Althea, what was your headline? My headline this week has to do with the TriMet fare hike. I'm specifically referencing the article from OPB. But on Wednesday, TriMet's board voted to increase fares for the first time in a decade or so. The two and a half hour adult ticket is up 30 cents. So it'll now cost $2.80 as of 2024. Um, the monthly and annual rates are going to be unchanged, but TriMet is worried about their funding um, mm -hmm. and they're looking at, they're forecasting a budget deficit in 2026. So they're like, we need more money. And it passed six to one. Um, a lot of, a lot of opposition to this one, if you can believe that. <laughs> and basically what they're forecasting is that the fair hike itself is going to bring in about $5 million more million to the transit agency. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty controversial thing. This is one of the least controversial aspects about it. But why 30 cents instead of 25? That was one thing that I immediately <laughs> thought of. We don't have a 30 cent piece. We do have a quarter. That's a good point. You're just you're like, okay, not, all, not only are you hiking, but now I have to look for a nickel. They're obsolete. <laughs> like we, we talk about pennies being obsolete. The the five cent coin is next. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know what I heard of the uh, is that the reason they're doing this is because TriMet estimates that ridership is down fifty percent compared to yeah. twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. uh, according to its like twenty twenty four budget, that's what they're saying. They're like, hey, the pandemic. Everyone's working from home. Nobody wants to be enclosed with another person. And now that they've you know had a taste of life of just like. <laughs> never leaving their house <laughs> or riding their bike or whatever, or maybe just driving their car, which is, you know, not great. Um, they're not coming back. And so a lot of people are saying that the fare increase appears to be like a temporary Band-Aid that yeah. ultimately hides the larger problems that TriMet needs to actually uh, tackle. And when, uh, you know, as many of us know, uh, ConFam really does take a lot of these transportation uh, moves very seriously because the the people that she represents, uh, she's saying, hey, this directly affects like uh, deep Southeast Portland. I'm going to tell you something that she wrote because I was like, I didn't even think about this. It kind of broke my head in a good way, you know, like what she wrote. TriMet needs to move away from its reliance on fair revenue to, to close funding gaps and move towards thinking about transportation as an essential service and fund it accordingly. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. I know like I know everyone's like, well, duh. But like um, a, a Portland State University urban studies professor, um, Aaron, and I'm going to totally butcher his last name, but I, did, I think it's Golub, um, compared it to like homeowners partly paying for roads and bridges through property tax. Like, you know, like, so we don't ask drivers to pay each time they go out and drive their mm -hmm. car. And he's just like, that's what we're asking, you know, uh, transportation riders. And I was just like, you're right. I've always thought of it as like, oh, I get to ride the bus. And it's like, no, no, you need to ride the bus. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder too, because they're saying that it's a, a temporary Band-Aid solution, but it won't be any 
less expensive than it is right now. They're not going to hike it up to 280 and then bring it back down again. It'll only continue to raise over time. So like how temporary is temporary. And then I wonder too, uh, how these uh, ridership numbers are actually being tracked. And if it is still down 50%, because they could just be tracking uh, fare payments, which Mm. I'm sure more people are are paying for their fares less post pandemic. So that should be, that could be a contributing factor. And there's no way that's going to get better if the fare is increased across the board. Certainly. I mean, I think an important piece of this is, right, you think of, of, the transit, they must be funded by the money that you pay to go on the bus, right? No, that fares only make up 7% of TriMet's total budget, which, you know, still we're talking millions of dollars. I don't want to, I don't want to be rude about that, I guess, but (laughs) it's not a majority of what is funding the system. The majority comes from a transit payroll tax that's in uh, the three metro counties, Multnomah, Washington, and Clackamas, and also federal grants. So there are other levers to pull. I suppose I'm glad that they're not pulling the lever of we're cutting a bunch of bus lines and we're slowing down service because they are trying to get their ridership numbers up. But the increase in fare is certainly going to have an impact on that and it's going to deter people. And I know um, part of what Representative Confam was uh, referencing was how it impacts low income riders because, right, the monthly and annual package for riding TriMet is unchanged. That won't get more expensive. It's been the same price for at least the past 10 years, but that's a big upfront cost. People rely on daily rates because you can't come up with the however much money to ensure that you can ride the bus for the coming month or something like that. Um, And there was, I forget where I saw this, but there was a quote that kind of blew my mind of thinking about that uh, an empty bus is not a waste. A bus running when there's nobody on it is not a waste because it is a public good. It should be there for people. It's okay if it's empty and it doesn't need to be built on this kind of profit motive that kind of screws things up, you know, uh, thinking that every year that, and, you know, we've seen this show up in so many different ways, especially talking about public goods. I guess the first one that comes to mind is like the attack on the U.S. Postal Service. But like, if this is for the good of the people, it doesn't need to be bringing in coin. We should be, we can be investing our taxpayer dollars into something that benefits everybody. And Mm. there was a quote in the OPB article from Professor Golub that uh, you mentioned, Claudia, talking about how Um, quote, even drivers benefit when others are taking transit. Um, And that, you know, especially looking at downtown Portland, central Beaverton, those are areas that would be much more difficult to get around, um, even for drivers, if people weren't taking the max, if they weren't taking the bus. You, Althea, I think you said right now, one of the main taxes that is funding TriMet is, what did you say it was? It was the- It's a transit payroll tax. For employers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Less than 1%. It's like less than 1%. So less than 1%. So let's just think about the gasoline tax. Uh, We get 38 cents per gallon that goes to roads and bridges in Oregon. It would make sense to figure out. I I know everyone hates the word tax in Texas, but for public good type uh, expenses, I feel like that's where it needs to come from. And like, why can't it be employers? And I know that business is already feeling like a lot of tax hikes, small businesses 
But like, I wonder why they couldn't do some sort of, you know, like, okay, if you're a larger business, you're paying this much. If you're a smaller business, you're, you're you know, you're, you're, it's going to increase by like a point two or point three percent or whatever. And, and instead they went to the obvious, like, well, you need to pay for it because you're using it. And it's just like, no, that's not the way the bus works. Of course, no one's going to get a free car, you know, but it's like the bus. <laughs> do you think people want to ride the bus? Nobody wants to ride the bus. <laughs> no. People have to ride the bus. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, every time I take a bus, I'm all like, wee, you know, I'm just, <laughs> just because like something happened. It's not like a trolley ride. <laughs> yeah. You're not like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm, the, I'm on the bus, you know. There's benefits. You're sounding very car centric right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I hate driving. I don't want to drive either. I'm just saying. What? I, I just. I want to be there already. That's what I want to be. I just want to. What I want to yeah. do is I want to get beamed to the place. Look, okay. if, if TriMet went to. um you know, some sort of Star Trek technology, and I was just able to just like, <laughs> and I'm there, I'll pay 30 cents extra for that. <laughs> just That's cents. worth $2.80. Let's go, let's go. $2.80, <laughs> what else? You know what? I'm going to tip you $3. Thank you. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> well, thank you, Althea. That was, uh, I'm glad you did that one because I was I was curious about the inner workings of that one. I just know that it, it, ca- it caused like, you know, a skerfuffle. Yeah, people were... We're not happy about it. Yeah. What about you, Julia? What was your headline for the week? So my headline comes from um, Oregonian reporter Christine DeLeon. She's talking about how the Lloyd Center is being looked at as a potential Major League Baseball field space. So just to give some context on what's been going on with the Lloyd Center for the past few years or so, it's 63 years old now. Uh, So it's been around for decades, but back in 2021, it was actually facing foreclosure. And over the past couple years since then, there has been a partnership between KKR Real Estate Finance, which is based in New York, and Urban Renaissance Group, which is based in Seattle. They're a developer. So they partnered up to kind of revive the Lloyd Center. And what's happened since then is there's been all these pop-up shops and events, and it's really turned into this punk rock mall. We actually made a really great show about it. It's called yeah, yeah. It's called A Day at the Punk Rock Mall. We'll link it. Because it's actually, if you if you're if you're wondering like what this Lloyd Center Mall is like, you know, it, it'll give you a little bit of a of a briefing, a little intro on it. Yeah, I, I would really recommend you go and, and take a listen to that to give context to what's going on now. But so fast forward now, the the Portland Diamond Project, which is an organization that's been behind the effort to bring Major League Baseball to Portland, is eyeing the Lloyd Center location as a potential spot to get that going. Um, But there are now all of these small business owners inside the Lloyd Center who were promised only a short-term lease, but um, this is in the works. There's been talks about it. And I want to hear both your thoughts on uh, how you feel about this and and what this could look like. Well, I... I love the, you know, sort of creativity of different types of revitalization that have happened at Lloyd Center, even before the pandemic. I remember in like 2019, they're being reporting about just how successful the Lloyd Center Bridge Club was on the very top floor and how, (laughs) you know, as much as we think of malls kind of now as like, oh, who would go to the mall? A mall is a very accessible place. They want you to be able to get around there pretty easily. I have conflicting thoughts, one of which is that I'm a Seattle Mariners fan, um, so I'm okay Here with it. Like, <laughs> well, look, okay. In some selfish way, it's like, I want us to have a good season before Portland comes in to be a rival. Uh, but I would like to have more baseball close by. So I'm conflicted in that regard. You know, I love that you're coming at this 
with knowledge that the Mariners would still be at the bottom. <laughs> no. <laughs> that a brand new team based out of a mall from freaking Portland could still beat the Mariners is all I heard, Althea. And I just want you to know that I also love going to see the Mariners play because it's like $5 to go in. They're just like, you want to bring your dog? You can bring your dog. Like, it's just, it's so much fun. It, but but it's also so much so much fun because when you have zero expectations, you get to just like have a ball at the at the you know yeah. you're just like yeah I'm, I'm here I'm having a good time I'm eating a hot dog you know we're having we're on an upswing right now I won't I won't waste your time on it but anyway <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to get into the I'm not the most knowledgeable person about the Mariners go M's that's all I have to say uh, but. Yeah, Lloyd Center, interesting location. I'm trying to picture how big a stadium would be, and I think it's bigger than Lloyd Center is, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm also immediately concerned about traffic. Oh, yeah. That's in a, that's in a very already clogged artery of <laughs> down. <laughs> this is why TriMet needs to start beaming people in. And this mm. is, do you see what I mean? Like, I'm thinking about the long-term solution here. It's the only thing that makes sense. It really is. Julia, do you... Are you at all into baseball? Is this something? I'm not. I I grew up around it because I spent a lot of time in LA as a kid. So it was like the Dodgers and the Angels. And I remember going to one of my first games when I was maybe six or seven. Um, But this really doesn't affect me at all. I... I'm like rooting for the small businesses in the punk rock mall. I'm like, but these people, they're falling in love with their like cute little curated spaces. And there are talks of potentially considering them in this project where we could have a mix between like this huge stadium and all these niche little shops um, somehow fit in between that. But I'm doubtful. I don't know. It, they they don't really have much to stand on to even advocate for themselves in that sense. And a lot of the conversations with these shop owners have been, yeah, well, they warned us like things might change and we weren't going to be here forever. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> I'm a huge baseball fan. I've been wanting professional baseball to come to down to Portland for, since I heard it was a possibility. You know, like if, if, if no one's seen The Mavericks, which is a beautiful documentary about like the most ragtag non-professional <laughs> baseball team. It was like, I think it was like a minor league baseball team that was owned by Kurt Russell's dad. You should check that out because it'll give more context to what we could have here in Portland, Oregon. And I know we, uh, we love baseball, like the Pickles. The Pickles is a college bat wooden bat league you know and those games sell out like their season tickets sell out people are like hungry for baseball um i just don't think it's gonna happen at the lloyd center it's not even like i just don't think it's gonna happen i feel like this is a rumor that someone started and i don't believe it because could you imagine the millions of dollars that it would take to turn the lloyd center into a baseball stadium? I just don't think anyone mm-hmm. has that kind of money or time. And it really is just a rumor. In the in the story, it says multiple sources told the Oregonian, but it also says there has been no conversation about an MLB team relocating or an expansion. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> like where are we headed with this? <laughs> I, exactly. I just feel like someone from the, uh, what do they call it? Is it the, yeah, the, yeah, the Portland Diamond Project. It's like, we need a little momentum. Let's just start this rumor. <laughs> Just get this kicking. <laughs> Dip a toe in. What are people saying? Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think? Huh? At the Lloyd Center? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I'm still hopeful for baseball, for professional baseball in Portland. I just don't understand. I feel like when someone, when I heard like, hey, they're going to turn the Lloyd Center into a, 
you know, a baseball stadium, I felt like someone in the 40s, like I was in the 40s and someone's like, one day we're going to fly to the moon. Like I felt like that incredulous. <laughs> just like, are you kidding me? All the way up there? How are we going to do that? Yeah, I mean, you're right. For a certain time, they were thinking of just keeping the building empty because it was it would just cost so much to take it, to tear it down. It's just this like beast of a building. Now they're going to put some AstroTurf. There's going to some lace. There's, you know what I mean? Some seats. Oh, they could do it on the roof. Hang on. Hang on here. Oh my God. It's just, it just didn't make any sense. But also I'm saying that because if it does happen, I will be that like person in the forties being like, the moon, are you crazy? You know? So I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll I be don't the day. Yeah, that'll be that day. But yeah. Well, thank you so much, Althea and Julia for uh, hanging with me this morning. And I really had a lot of fun with you too. Yeah, thank you so much. I had a great time. Thanks, Claudia. Always good to be here. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Special thanks to producers Natalie Rivera and A.K. Almumen for their support this week. Original music by Jenny Conley and Stephen Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs> <laughs>